No Exit with Nicholas Corice contains explicit language and content. Listener discretion is advised. And so, after years of research, said Karen Rice, the lead scientist from behind the podium, on behalf of the Kincaid Biotech Genetics Research Laboratory, we present to you the oldest living prehistoric flower ever to be cloned, not seen since the age of the dinosaurs. I give you the Caledum sexus felix flos. A pack of two or three scientists wheeled up a tall box on stage and pulled a white cloth off to reveal a three-foot-tall flower encased in plexiglass. The oohs and the ahs from the onlookers were real and genuine. Flashes from photography went off from all around the room. The flower itself, which was almost four feet high, not including the soil in its base, looked similar to a large sunflower that hadn't bloomed, with a green center that puckered in the middle it had long, thin leaves that had sprouted all along its sides. Now, you'll notice that the flower itself has not yet bloomed, she continued. And as of right now, we don't know when or how that's going to happen. But I assure you, when it does, it'll be quite a thing to see. As she spoke, junior researcher Jonathan Thomas eyeballed the flower from behind her. He and one other intern named Eric Preston stood next to each other and they were the two newest members on the research team. They had just so happened to be the only two people who had not seen this flower yet. Jonathan could not stop staring. He'd never seen anything like this before in all of his years of study. He'd seen diagrams and pictures and textbooks and learning modules, but it was nothing compared to how it looked in real life. Something about this flower, it made him feel something strange. Uh, Jonathan, said Professor Rice, Uh Uh-huh, he said, snapping out of the moment. Then he heard the crowd of people laugh. I said your name twice. I guess you didn't hear me. (laughs) Give him a moment, folks. Just like you, this is the first time he's seen this, too. Jonathan, would you like to wheel it down to the floor and let the nice people see? Oh, yeah, of course. Sorry, Jonathan said with a nervous smile. He took the tank by its side handles and wheeled it down into the crowd of plain faces. When he had let go, they nearly shoved him aside to get a look was making Jonathan nervous, looking at these people prod at the case with the delicate flower inside, tearing into it with their eyes and coating the glass with their breath. He wanted to look away, but he was afraid if he let his guard down for a second, something might happen to it. A man in a tie and a rumpled hat with a press card in it stood away from the crowd and raised his hand. Uh, Nick Columbus here, Detroit Sun-Times. Question for you, ma'am. There's been a lot of talk about how much money this project has cost and the speculation about the benefits of this kind of research. How do you feel about what some might say is a frivolous venture into scientific engineering? Well, I can see how some may say that, said Professor Rice. But you have to keep in mind that this is the start of other plants and other plant life to come. And once we clone more plants and do more research, those plants could harbor some very practical medicinal purposes. I see, said the reporter, scribbling in his notepad. And this plant here, do you suppose this million-dollar oddity itself could have any practical or medical benefit to it? Well, honestly, we won't know that until the further research is done. However, I can tell you on good authority that this particular plant may hold some hallucinatory effects in and of itself. Granted, this isn't the reason why we made it, naturally. This particular plant genus was just the most practical to clone within our knowledge. Hallucinogenic, said the reporter. Really? Oh yes, said the professor, nodding. 
Absolutely. As stated, we won't know more until we've done much more research, mind you. But current speculation has provided a positive outlook into... Jonathan drowned out the conversation around him. All he could think of was that flower locked up in that case and the people surrounding it, and just exactly what it would look like when it bloomed. Hey, John. You're in early again, huh? Damn, you look like shit. Hey, you mind if I leave early again? Said the guy in the backwards baseball hat from behind the desk. Jonathan still couldn't remember his name. Yeah, go ahead, whatever. Uh, Eric? Jonathan said, cracking a can. He'd bought another case of energy drinks with his mother's credit card a couple days ago. It was nearly out of this case. Hey, uh, wait, before you go, did anything happen today? Did I miss anything? No, said Eric. Oh, uh, well, actually, like a temperature spike of 0 .03 at 12? Uh, that was it. What? said Jonathan. That's huge. A temperature spike in an enclosed climate-controlled container is nothing, dude. Jonathan, in his fit of emotion, dropped the notebook he was holding from underneath his arm onto the floor. It landed on the spiral and flopped open, and Eric looked down at it. There were pages and pages of drawings. Detailed drawings of flowers with stems and leaves sticking out. The dude could see that Jonathan was trying to figure out what the flower would look like when it had bloomed. Whoa, said Eric. You're like, really into this. I mean, I guess that's pretty cool, but dang. Embarrassed, Jonathan scooped up his notebook from the floor, slapped it shut, and stuffed it into his backpack. Pretty cool, he said, mocking the guy. Yeah, it's pretty cool, Eric. This flower is more than 60 million years old, you know that, right? This is before flowers themselves technically existed. Plants younger than this could only pollinate themselves in rivers and bodies of water. Imagine that. There's so much we don't know about this. How could a plant with presumed stunted septals pollinate and breed itself out in the wild thousands of years before the bees and insects even know how to do that? It's not just a flower, Eric. It's a mystery. It's a million-year-old mystery that could answer the very questions of life itself. Yeah, I'm into this. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. And I know how I must look to everyone, but whatever, man. It's just... I'm excited about this, all right? Sorry. Eric looked sleepy, gave him a slight nod. Yeah, man, uh, I think I get it. Look, um, I'm gonna get out of here. I'll see you next week. Just take it easy, all right? Yeah, all right, man, see you later, said Jonathan, taking a big drink out of his can. He didn't mean to go off like that, but sleeplessness and irritability was catching up with him. Later in the night, his eyes twinkled open little by little, and he checked his watch. It was 2 a.m. He rubbed his eyes and felt embarrassed that he had fallen asleep for so long. He wiped the drool from his face and got up to check the numbers for the flower on the tank and on the PC, and immediately noticed something was wrong. The tank was about five degrees warmer than it should have been. He scratched his head and made his way to the tank, then dropped the clipboard in his hand when he saw what was happening inside. The flower upon its large wooden stalk had started to bloom, just a little to where he could see a crack in the green leaves that surrounded it, and noticed a yellow and purple inside. This, this is it. It's gonna happen. A crooked grin spread across his face, and I'll be the first one to experience it. But yet, in his excitement, something felt wrong. 
He was happy to see the flower at the start of the bloom, but he knew he needed to get a closer look. He looked around the room, then at the camera pointed at the tank on the tripod. He snuck his way out of the camera frame and then back around to the camera, sly like a spy. He spun the camera around to face the wall. Later, he would edit in a loop of the flower where it was. He found himself almost immediately in front of the flower tank. He rubbed the stubble on his face and pulled two latex gloves out of his lab coat pocket. He slipped them on carefully, then opened the glass from the side while his heart raced. He immediately felt the humidity and the smell of green leaves on his face. It smelled earthly and fragrant, just a little sweet. He peered his face in to get a better look, and the bloom itself was bigger than his whole head. He could see better now. There was an indeed array of colors within the flower itself folded within the green leaves. Amazing, he said, and as he breathed out, the flower opened up just a little more. He was stunned, and then he had an idea. He took a deep breath and gently blew on the flower, and to his surprise, his speculation was right. It had started to open more. The colors and the leaves took him back, and he was astounded at what he was watching. Directly in the middle of the bloom, there was a perfect center that looked like a bright red tulip. Jonathan leaned in, sweating, and got a better look. And as he leaned in closer, the center bloom opened up more and more to him. Finally, when his face was up close enough, a small cloud of dust shot in his face, directly in his eyes and nose. His head went careening back, and he was startled and disoriented. He tripped over his own feet and fell onto the floor, landing on the back of his head. The burst of pollen stung him all over, but the pain quickly subsided. He felt his body wash in his own sweat, and a spooky mood of calm and wonder draped his insides. He got to his shaking feet and looked at his hands, and waved them in front of his face. Then he reached up at one of the fluorescent lights overhead and played with the light between his fingers. The sensation of this made him smile, and he found himself laughing without even realizing. I... I get it now. It's all so simple. You... You made it happen. Oh, this is wonderful, he said, speaking to the flower, trembling. No, N no, you're, you're right. I, I don't think people will get it. Not just, not just yet, anyway. Wh what? Oh, oh, you're right. I am the only one who understands now. Thank you. Thank you for this gift. I've made it a point to understand, and I knew if I'd find it one of these days, I'd just keep looking. I was so lucky to have you come along. He went to the tank and put his hands up to touch the flower and lowered them. Oh, excuse me. I didn't mean to. I, I mean, I know I, I, sh I shouldn't. The smile faded from his face. What? What, what did you say? Oh. He looked behind him. I... I don't, I don't know, I, I mean, if it's okay, would it, would it be okay? Another bent grin creeped across his face. Just, just give me a moment, okay? Jonathan began taking off his clothes, doing his best to still shaking hands. Moments later, Jonathan heard a voice. What are you doing? A security guard said with a hand resting on his gun. 
Jonathan screamed and let his sweaty hands go from the top of the tank and ran to the corner, covering his naked self. Wait, um, hey, I'm sorry. Look, it's not what you think, he said, putting one hand in front of him to explain. I, I was just, look, I, I, I know what this looks like. No, said the guard, almost laughing. I certainly fucking don't know what this looks like. Uh, I've heard complaints about a man screaming for almost 20 minutes now. When I asked you to open the door, you told me to go fuck myself. Do you remember that? Jonathan, covered in his own sweat, darted his eyes around to think of something. He really, really didn't remember that. The guard shook his head, holding down a grin. <laughs> come here, said the guard, motioning with his hand. No, come on, I ain't gonna touch you, man. Relax, just come here. Jonathan, still with one hand out for protection and the other hand on his junk, made his way forward. Stop, stop right there, the guard said, backing away just a step. Uh, look, look up, to the light, just real quick. Jonathan, confused, looked up, blinking his eyes as he did, and exchanged looks between the light and the guard. It was burning his eyes. Uh, your eyes are pretty fucked up looking, man. You might want to get that looked at as soon as you can. Uh, what? My eyes? Yeah, it's like a rash. Looks kind of bad, said the guard. Then he glanced toward the flower tank. You ask her where she's been? Oh man, just kidding. Look, back up for me now. All right, listen, you can do whatever, whatever you were doing here. Just keep it down, okay? I'm gonna get out of here. I'm gonna pretend like I didn't see anything. And if I have to come back, you're never gonna have a party like this again in your whole life, all right? Jonathan's brain thought quickly now. Maybe it was whatever effect the flower's pollen had on his system, or maybe it was just pure fear, but he knew what would happen here. This guard said he wouldn't say anything now, but he will. He'll tell someone something. He'll tell another guard with a smirk in his voice that he saw the most fucked up thing ever. And then that guard's gonna tell another guard, and then eventually it'll reach back to this lab. He'll be humiliated, dragged out for everyone to see, and everyone would know what he had done. He'd never get to work in the lab again, much less any other. And worst of all, he'd never go get to see the Caledium Felix Flos again in his entire life. As the guard turned his back to leave, Jonathan shouted, No! He sprang forward and pulled the gun from the guard's holster with a fear-induced lightning bolt reflex. The guard snapped around and put his hand to get his gun, and Jonathan jerked back. Hey, hey! Careful, buddy. You don't want to do anything you're going to regret here. Every muscle and every nerve in his body was shaking and sweating. Jonathan screamed and shot the man until his body hit the floor. Just like that, without even thinking, he'd killed a man. Still high off a of flower pollen in his system, his mind raced in every direction. After six or seven hours of cleaning, bleaching the floor, and covering up bullet holes with post-it notes, Jonathan leaned back in the office chair at his desk and had his feet up. He cracked open an energy drink, his last one, and scrolled through his phone. Professor Rice clicked open the door and walked inside the room. Good morning, Jonathan, she said, slipping the laptop case off of her shoulder. How are you? Hey, cool shades you're wearing there, dude. <laughs> Thanks, he said. But I'm nowhere near as cool as my cool boss, he said, shooting her the double finger guns as he grinned. She laughed and shrugged. Thanks, I guess. What's got you in such a good mood all of a sudden? <laughs> oh, oh, nothing, nothing. Just got a lot of stuff taken care of last night is all. I don't have to worry about a lot of major projects coming up. It's just a load off my mind, you know? 
Well, good. That's good to hear. Always nice to take a load off. Well, I don't want to keep you. I'm sure you're tired after getting into it so hard last night. Any changes? Anything I should know? Mm, nope, said Jonathan, shaking his head. Not a lot going on. Oh, uh, slight spike in humidity, about five. Nothing out of the ordinary. Say, you know what? Let me take the garbage bin out before I go. I fill it up with a bunch of takeout from this whole week. I don't want it to smell like pad tie in here and stink up the room. <laughs> well, sure, said Professor Rice. That would be great. Thanks, Jonathan. Say, I like this relaxed, upbeat guy here I'm seeing. I hope he hangs around. Well, get used to it, he said, because I have a feeling he's going to come around as much as he can. One month later, Jonathan got a paper bag full of groceries from his car and bumped the door shut with his hips. He went upstairs to the lab building and was whistling. He put the grocery bag into his other arm and reached for the door handle, but before he did, he looked around him. When he saw that no one else was in the hall, he reached down and he scratched his genitals and adjusted his jeans and his sunglasses. He opened the door and saw Eric standing in the corner with a clipboard in his hand. Hey man, how's it going? Oh, hey, uh, pretty good, said Eric, fidgeting. How's it been today? Man, it's so quiet here on the weekends with all the higher-ups and the snooty professors gone, am I right? Jonathan said, setting his big bag down on the desk. I just got back from the health food store. I think I got something for this, uh, e eczema on my eyes here that'll help. Uh, also, I picked up some of this yerba mate. Man, I tell you, it's so much better than those energy drinks loaded with sugar. The instructor in my new spin class was telling me that the average person consumes more sugar than... Jonathan cut himself off when he noticed something peculiar about Eric. He stood in the corner and was trying to make himself small and unnoticeable. Something was odd. Then Jonathan noticed what was different about him. Sunglasses. He was wearing sunglasses. So, said Jonathan, what's going on with you? Anything new happened here lately? Nope, said Eric, pretending to scribble something on the clipboard. Nah, no, nothing at all. Just the same old, you know, I'm just wrapping up and all that. I was just noticing there's a couple things I missed on the list here. You know, um, if you, if you want to go and do something else for a little bit, I'll, I'll wrap it up. I mean, uh, I, you know, I was going to say, too, I, I don't even mind staying tonight if, if you want to beat it. I, I heard there's a banger of a party going down at... Eric, said Jonathan, why are you wearing those sunglasses? Oh... You know, it's it's kind of bright in here, don't you think? I'm I, I'm getting a migraine, man. I mean, I mean, it's not a bad one though. I I, I can still hang if you want to leave. Eric said, "Jonathan, turn around." Eric fidgeted for a moment and sniffed. He put the clipboard down and turned to face Jonathan. Jonathan could see the rashes around Eric's eyes from underneath his sunglasses. Jonathan, not breaking his gaze from him reached into his paper bag and pulled out a glass bottle. He snapped open the middle lid, took a sip, walking towards Eric. He took another sip, and as the bottle went away from his lips, he smashed Eric across the face with it. Glass shattered everywhere. Jonathan kicked him in the stomach, then grabbed him by the neck and threw him onto the floor. Jonathan had never been in a fight in his entire life, but the compounded rage in his system right now gave him the savage kung fu strength he needed somehow. Jonathan could see the rash marks on his face and squeezed Eric's neck. Eric tried to push his arm away from his throat, but could match Jonathan's anger-fueled strength. What did you do, Eric? said Jonathan, a rope of spit dangling from his mouth. Tell me what you did. 
Nothing, said Eric. Uh, it's just an allergy. I, I get seasonal allergies. It's nothing. You want to give me the name of that cream you use? Um, maybe I can... Liar! Jonathan shouted. You're a liar. Jonathan took his sunglasses off and threw them behind him. Look me in the eyes, Eric. What did you do, you slut? Eric panicked. He was out of lame excuses. Jonathan knew what was going on. Eric had suspected the two were doing the same thing, but didn't want to admit it to himself, much less anyone else. Now, the more Eric struggled, the more Jonathan squeezed, and eventually he couldn't fight it anymore. Jonathan had strangled and killed him with his bare hands within a matter of minutes. Jonathan slapped his face a couple of times to make sure he was dead, and when he got no response, he stood up and spit on him. Jonathan turned to place the flower in the case. Tell me. Tell me it's not true. What happened? Oh. Oh. I, I think I understand. It was just a one-time thing. Jonathan said, wiping the tears from his rashy eyes. Then he balled his fists up in rage. Next time, you need to tell me when something like this happens. I don't understand. I can't be here all the time. Did he? But it doesn't matter. It's okay now. We're not going to have to worry about him ever again. A week after the incident, Jonathan was sitting in his car. He saw Professor Rice's vehicle still in the parking lot, and he was waiting for her to leave. His groin was itching particularly bad right now. He was trying to fight through the pain as much as he could. Once he realized she wasn't going anywhere, he decided to gather up his nerve and go inside. When he opened the door, he found her standing in front of the flower tank. Oh, hello, Jonathan, she said, looking downcast. Oh, hey, he said, adjusting his sunglasses and fighting the fire in his loins. Uh, sorry I'm late, I got caught up in traffic. Uh, every everything all right? She sighed through her nose. Well, if you must know, and I'm sorry to be the one to inform you of such grim news, they found Eric's body this morning after he'd been missing for a week, stuffed in a trash bag along with the body of one other person. I hate to be the one that tells you, Jonathan, but it appears as if they'd both been murdered. Oh no, Jonathan said. That's terrible. Mm, yes, it really is, she said. Do they know what happened? How do I do such a thing? She shook her head. Police don't have any leads right now, I'm afraid. I've gotten a hold of Eric's family and gave them my condolences on behalf of the lab and... Well, there's one other thing, Jonathan, and given the events of late, I'm surely you'll understand. Jonathan tried to still his beating heart. Somehow he knew what was coming next. His hands became sweaty and his heart was beating. God... Don't say it, he thought. The police have decided to close the lab while they do an investigation. I said we would give them complete and total cooperation while this is ongoing, and, um, well... Jonathan started to quietly take his belt off and tiptoed his way over to her while her back was turned. It pains me to tell you this, Jonathan, because you were the only one who was the most invested in this project, but the flower itself will be moved into a special facility in upstate New York though the New York team has specifically told me they will do the best to take care of it and give it as much attention as we have. The experiment will be put on hold indefinitely. 
I know it's hard to hear, but I'm sure you'll understand given the circumstances, and Jonathan slipped the belt loop over her head and kicked her knees out from underneath her. Her face went smashing into the flower tank's glass, and he squeezed her neck as she wheezed for air. After the complete confusion of what was happening waned away, she gripped at her neck to loosen the belt, but it was too late. Within a matter of minutes, the last remaining air left her lungs, and she was dead by his hands. Jonathan let go of her, and the body slumped over to the side. He caught his own breath and wiped the sweat off of his forehead with his sleeve. Okay, he thought. Time for the backup plan. Later that night, Jonathan was coming out of a gas station with a handful of snacks and drinks in his hand. He took off his hoodie before he got in the car. He got himself buckled in and then made sure that the seatbelt on the flower in the passenger seat was secure as well. He was gentle with it, like a mother putting a baby in a car seat. You doing okay? He said, brushing its leaves with the back of his hand. Let me turn up this heat for you. I know it's nothing like the tank back home, and it'll be just a little bit longer until we're in Florida. And just think, once we get you planted, you might not even need a tank anymore. You and I can both be free and wild, and it'll all be okay. Here, baby, I got you some fresh water. I'll give you a sip every hour to make sure your roots don't dry out. He grabbed the top on a large bottled water and leaned over to pour some in the dirt and picked up another piece of broken glass out of the topsoil. I know, I know, he said, talking to the plant. You said you wanted New Orleans, and I love New Orleans too. But we're just gonna have to lie low for a little bit, dear. It's not like that. Jonathan put the bottle in the console and started the car. Please, please, hon, I don't want to fight with you right now. Things are stressful enough already. I'm doing my best. We'll discuss it when we get to the Everglades. I promise you we'll both get everything we want out of this. Once on the highway, Jonathan reached inside of his pants and itched his private parts. Lately, the pain and inflammation on his eyes and nether regions was out of control, though Jonathan did his best to block it out of his head. Now the stress and the uncertainty of the situation had only intensified this pain. It was here and now that he felt something in the skin of his ball sack. It was small and hard like a BB, and after painfully working it through his fingers, he could feel it come out of his skin. Hand on the wheel, he looked at his bloody fingers and rolled a black ball in between them. It looked like a seed, a perfect round seed, almost like from a jimson weed. He rolled the window down and flicked it out, then immediately noticed something in the rearview mirror. Red and blue lights. Three cop cars were behind him. Shit, he said, slamming on the wheel. After a moment of deliberation, he decided to pull the car over. Damn it, he said. He looked over at the flower. Well, there, it uh, looks like that thing I tried to tell you about happened. No, no, no. I was, of course I was careful to cover my tracks. They could, shouldn't have found her body until we were at least in Pennsylvania. Oh, don't give me that right now. You know what? I didn't see any help from you, thank you very much. Hey, you want me to go dig up your boyfriend Eric so he can come over and help you get out of this? Huh? Maybe that's what you want? He sighed and gripped the wheel. Sweat was dripping from his palms. The red and blue lights flashed through the interior of the car. Time was becoming short. Look, I'm sorry. It's just a lot right now. I'm sure you can see. Just wait here. I'll be back in just a moment, okay? He leaned over, 
popped open the glove compartment, got a gun from the inside of it, and stuffed it in his pants. He got out of the car and gave the oncoming officers a wave and a big smile before he went for his gun. The officer shouted something at him, but he didn't hear any of it. He raised the gun, and before he could even get a round off, the officers had plugged him with nearly a dozen shots. He fell to the ground, bleeding. The last thing he could see was the top of the leaves from the flower sitting in the car. He closed his eyes and bled out dying on the asphalt, wishing that things could be different, wishing that they had made it to the Everglades. I don't know. I don't get it, said Officer Wendy Jackson, looking at the flower on the cold steel table in the evidence room. Yeah, I don't know either, said Detective Laura Fleming. I guess maybe it's not for us to get. You know, once, when I was on patrol, I found a man who was literally sneaking into laundromats and stealing women's socks right out of the washer. Gross, dirty, used socks that were soaking wet. He would camp out in the parking lot, wait for a load to be dumped in, and then run in and grab him, straight out of the wash. Nice guy. Never did much of anything else. I knew other officers that had a run-in with him. He'd lock him up for a day or two every time. I think he finally stopped when someone's husband wonked him over the head with a laundry bag and kicked his ass. Or so the story goes. Officer Wendy smirked. I suppose everyone's got a something. At least the Sox guys didn't kill anyone. This? I just... Can't wrap my head around this. You don't just take a weird thing and go that far with it. And also, I mean, from the looks of it, I can't see how that guy didn't break this damn thing. Detective Laura shrugged. Who knows? Guess he was the gentle kind. Anyway, in about a week, this little lady isn't going to be our problem anymore. We've already swabbed down every bit of DNA off of it that we could. Now all we have to do is just wait for some lab coats in New York to come pick her up. Think you can go that long without falling in love, Gary? She asked, motioning to the lockup officer sitting at the edge of his desk. He had his hand in his pocket, a hard look on his face. Huh? What? He said, snapping back into the moment. Uh, oh yeah, one week? Yeah, no problem. It'll be fine. I ain't ever seen anything like this before. It's, it's like it's beautiful, you know? In its own way, you know? The female officers looked at each other. They immediately knew that they weren't going to like where this was going. You have been listening to A Flower Most Beautiful. Written and performed by myself, Nicholas Corys. Background ambience provided by Tabletop Audio. Support them at tabletopaudio.com. End music by bensound.com. Follow me on Instagram at Nicholas.